Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Love Rugby League podcast, bringing you the latest rugby league news, talking points, and exclusive interviews. Listen as fellow fans and experts discuss the burning issues in the game and share their bold predictions. We're out every Wednesday to look ahead to your rugby league weekend. Hello and welcome to the Love Rugby League podcast with me, James Gordon. I'm joined this week by Josh McAllister from the Love Rugby League team. Later on in this episode, we've got an interview with Workington coach Chris Thorman, who's got some very interesting things to say about Rugby League in Cumbria, Rugby League in London, and of course in the North East as well. He's got a good handle on all things Rugby League in those areas. Um as usual, we'll just have a quick knock back and two between, uh, from the results from last week. We'll look ahead to the weekend coming up. We'll also talk about some of the issues. And Josh, it almost feels like this week, there's not as much talk about uh, the disciplinary as there has been in previous weeks. But I do want to raise a few of the things that yeah, got... There's th- not nothing, is there? No, the, the main... <laughs> almost. The main we'll, we'll just quickly run through last week's results. Of course, Catalan beat Leeds 10-4. Wigan beat Huddersfield 22-12. Settlers beat Wakefield 20 points to 4. Hull beat Salford 48-16. Toulouse lost 32-18 to Warrington. But the talking points that maybe we're going to cover here is from Hull KR's win over Casford. Hull KR beating Casford 26-10. And I suppose the main talking point was the two Simbinins in that match, which have subsequently led to ban. So Beretta Ferraro is banned for two matches and Liam Watts is banned for one match. There was a lot of discussion about this in the uh, Love Rugby League WhatsApp group, actually, on, on the day. Um, what did you make of, of those incidents? Yeah, both both tough ones. Uh, Beretta was a tough one because World Dagger's coming down, isn't he? The player's already committed to the challenge. Yes, he's, he has hit him high. I think the two-game ban might be a bit a bit tough, but obviously that's them just clamping down on head tackles. It was the Liam Watts one that got me. I thought it was a bit soft. I, I didn't think he I didn't think he hit Michaels. He hit him like that's you know no argument there. He didn't hit him very hard. See, I thought I thought the Watts one was worse than the Ferraimo one in terms of well when when I say worse I mean 
I think the Watts one was avoidable. I think yeah. Watts could have avoided. Whereas for me, for I'm always tackling Dagger because he's trying to time the tackle so that as soon as Dagger makes the catch, he's going to hit him. And the reason why it was high was because Dagger's obviously dropped to his knees or whatever. Now, obviously, the argument is now that it's a reckless tackle because he can't be sure where he is. But if you're already committed to that tackle and you're aiming for the chest area, which you would have hit if he was stood up, then. It's a tough one, it's only because he fell to his knees. So if any player was to run with the ball in hand and fell to the knees and got tackled high, even though it was them that fell to the knees... Is, is yeah, it looks penalty? like that'll yeah. be a penalty and, you know, a sin bin and a ban. I mean, I mean, I suppose there's not as much uproar about it, I feel, because obviously Ferrano plays for what we might deem a less fashionable team. Of course, it's been we've been in uproar previous weeks because it's, you know, it's impacted Leeds or Hull or, or maybe some of the perceived bigger clubs. So... It's interesting. There's not been as much, or maybe people just don't agree with with, with me, which obviously won't be the first time that's happened. Um, I just think if if a player's getting too much ban for that, I mean, what's Fremont meant to do? Is he, you know, yeah, is he meant to just let Dagger? Yeah. If Dagger catches that and sidesteps him, he's away, you know. And it's like, well, all Fremont's trying to do is, you know, is defend his his ground, and you know, we're almost getting to the point where they'll have NFL fair catches and stuff like that. So um, with that, the argument there is that the yellow card is enough. The two game ban might be too much. If if you if you're defending yourself against that, you say, "What do I do? I'm committed to the tackle, and he's fallen to his knees." Mm, yeah, like say a penalty. You know, I'd yeah. even argued a penalty probably might have been yeah. enough there. You know, there is a concern I think as well with the amount of yellow cards that it does swing games in teams' favour. You know, to you play against 10, uh, 12 men for a period of time is obviously going to help you at some point in that match. You and I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you know I think Hulk are comfortably better than Casford anyway, um, but you know I think that's you know I seen Steve McNamara said in the papers this week you know we should maybe have an amnesty on the yellow cards and you know while the while the clubs get up to speed and and maybe they should allow clubs to to do the the appeal process without them having the risk of the frivolous appeals, um, but I suppose in some ways it's. It's been less of a discussion point this week than it has been in previous weeks. Yeah, it's not the headlines. You used to get good odds on a yellow card in a game. Now I reckon uh, bookmakers <laughs> have had the offer you anything. Yeah, that might be one worth looking out for. It was a, a Challenge Cup weekend as well, and there was um, a historic win for North Wales Crusaders, who beat Hunslet um, in what was the first game held in the Wirral since 1904. Um, other winners, Batley, Whitehaven, Sheffield... Um, got past Hunslet Club Park so I'd give them a good fight the amateurs they got it back within two points with five minutes to go but Sheffield ran clear at the end Workington beat Jewsbridge I'm sure Chris Thorman who's our guest later in the show uh, were more than happy with Featherstone won away at Halifax Bradford beat London in front of a pretty paltry crowd of 551 Barrow beat Rochdale York beat Newcastle and Lee comfortably beat Widnes on Monday night Um so that leaves a Challenge Cup fifth round draw as follows. Barrow will play Workington, Bradford will play Lee, Whitehaven play York, Batley play Featherstone and North Wales Crusaders face Sheffield. The five winners of those ties will then go to join the 11 or eleven Super League clubs in the sixth round. That is all the 12 Super League clubs except to lose who've not entered the competition. Um... Can I just add that I've got it now? You're yeah, you understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we still don't know. We still don't know how they're going to decide. I don't know how no, they're going to decide. Um, yeah, uh, you balls know. and numbers, I guess. Again, but yeah, I get it now. Anyone that was listening so, last week. I mean, to be fair, there'd be some. There's, if you look at some of them ties, there, you know, of course, everyone's talking about Featherstone and Lee, a heavy, 
you know, miles better than everyone else probably in championship. So they'll fancy a crack at Super League opposition if they get past uh, Bradford and Batley. But for Barrow and Workington, big opportunity for either of them teams to play Super League opposition in the next round, which I'm sure will be a big occasion for them. But also to get into this 895 Cup semi-finals and potentially one game away from not Wembley this year, but from Spurs. Whitehaven York as well. Both you know York got to Wembley last year. Both of those teams will fancy getting through and, and having maybe a big game. North Wales Crusaders against Sheffield. North Wales, last league one team in it. They all might fancy their chances at home to Sheffield. They'll have to find somewhere to play it because I believe their ground's unavailable. But um, The thing is, is this fifth round sort of fallen in the gaps a little bit. I noticed there was no coverage of it on BBC because the format of the draw this year, uh, the format of the cup this year has been so convoluted to accommodate these five, to, you know, to get to their five, um, which is a bit of a shame, I suppose. Um, I saw a comment saying that Super League teams should be in earlier to give the chance for Championship, more Championship or League One clubs to potentially play a Super League club, which would then benefit their season as a whole if you terms of ticket sales and, and travelling fans coming over. Because they've got yeah. six rounds to enter the Cup and then they've only got to win a couple of games to win it. I, obviously that comes with being in the top division, but... I, yeah, I mean, I, don't get me wrong, I'd like to, I'd like to see more teams in the Challenge Cup. It's difficult because of when it starts in the year. But I'd like I think more amateur teams should be in it and like you say, maybe bring the Super League teams in probably around earlier so that maybe in the last thirty two, maybe the Super League teams yeah. go in. The only issue is and you know, and people probably disagree with me, the way the game is now, there's literally no point in full time teams playing part time teams. There's just no point. Like even you know, and I and I sort of you know, even watching Lee Widness on Monday night, the gulf between them two teams, I think, is greater than the gulf between the bottom of Super League and the the top of Championship because the difference between the full time the, the full time teams are just stronger, the fitter, the fact just because they're trait you know they're conditioned in a in a way. Whereas you know, not, not just using Widness as an example, but they're, they're playing a team that have all been at work all day and they're coming on Monday. The gap I think between full time and part time is much greater than the gap between part time and amateur. Um, and I think that's the only problem and that's what people will say is it's like well if you put put Super League teams in in the last 32 and you've got Warrington say playing against you know potentially a, a Hunslet Club Parkside or against uh, London Scholars is it going to be a bit of a waste of time and don't forget they have been in the competition early before and there's a reason we've got to this point now where they come in a little bit later um, you know you could make an argument maybe you need to have a a cup, maybe you have a maybe not maybe not the challenge cup, but maybe you need to have a cup competition for everyone that isn't full time. You know that has all the amateur teams in, all the part time teams in, as a way of you know because I'm sure there's some amateur teams. Well, maybe that's what they should make the 1895 cup more into rather than just this five. Because when it was started, it was for all league one and championship cups, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and if you remember, they played on Wednesday nights, and yeah, you yeah. know it was midweek. Because, because of the structure this year, it's just the five teams entering it. So mm. maybe back next year, back to all teams, and then even amateur teams. Yeah, you know, and, and I don't know whether the amateur teams might not fancy it, but you know, for me, I'm like thinking, well, if 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 there was a hundred amateur teams who wanted to put their hand up and play in a national cup competition where they could potentially, because don't forget, you know, Bradford, Lee, Halifax, you know, Widnes. There's, there's teams in that championship that amateur teams would like to go up against. So it's like, well, you know, maybe maybe we do create something that maybe unites the game, you know, below the below the full time below Super League. Um, 
but we'll have to see how it goes. Um, them, them fifth round games are in two weeks, so that's when the draw for the sixth round will be. So that's when the Super League teams will know um, when they're in. The semi-finals is at Ellen Road on May the seventh, which is a double header with a women's final or a triple header because there'll be two semi-finals of women's final, and then of course the finals at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on twenty eighth of May. So them dates in your diary. Um, bit of a slow news week so far, but the Probably the bigger, biggest announcement of the week has been the England training squad, performance squad, whatever they call it these days. I mean, I never quite understand the purpose of these squads because I feel like they have they announce more squads than they play games. Um, it's a good headline. Yeah, so um, a few headlines. I'll just run through the whole team. So there's John Bateman, Liam Farrell, Zach Hardacre, Liam Marshall, Kai Pierce-Paul, all from Wigan. Daryl Clark, Mike Cooper, Ben Curry, Stefan Ratchford and Jake Wardle from Warrington, which is clearly wrong because Jake Wardle is from Huddersfield, so BBC have cocked up there. Tom Davis and Sam Tompkins from Catalan. Lewis Dodd, Morgan Knowles, Matthew Lees, Johnny Lomax, Tommy Makerton, Mark Percival, Alex Wormsley, Jack Wellsby, all from St. Helens. Nye Levels and Paul McShane from Casford. Ryan Hall's back in the team from LKR. Cruz leaving Harry Newman, Mikolai Ledsky from Leeds. Reese Lynn from Wakefield, Jermaine McGilvery from Huddersfield, and Dan Sargentson from Salford. Um, thoughts on that one? Just a few new faces in there? Yeah, Lewis Dodd, Kai Pierce Paul taking the headlines. Uh, I'm sure Hull fans will be disappointed in Jake Connor's absence. There's always, on the other side of those that have been included, there's always a side, well, the ones that have been left out. Jake Connor has been left out. Jordan Abdul's been left out. No Gareth Woodard from Warrington's been left out. But I think the squad as a whole, as you say, it's, there's months and months of the World Cup. Yeah, I think they're training once a month, I think. The, George, George Williams not there either, is he? I, th- I think he is in there, is he not? Uh, whoever's, whoever's done this list on the uh, BBC websites, obviously. I'm Maybe they, have they put George, have they put Jake Wardle in instead of George Williams? Um, I think, you know, Ryan Hall's an interesting one, isn't he, coming back I in mean, the team at 30? That's your own fault for... Taking a picture of BBC and not your yeah, website of no, yeah, you, right, you, right, right, you are right, Josh. <laughs> um, yeah, you are right. I don't think Williams is in it. So, oh, 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 oh yeah, he is. He's at the very end. So, uh, Williams is in it, but no Widdup. Um, Ryan Hall's a good one. I said last year Ryan Hall's going to get the England squad. Yeah, I, th- I think he's 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 strong. He might not be as fast as he used to be. He might not have the finishes he used to have, but he's strong. And up against the likes of Australia and Tonga, I think that sort of strength will come in coming to benefit I, I was thinking about this over the weekend now Connor obviously had a great game for Hull against Salford six assists uh, you know putting some lo- to be fair they scored some lovely tries he put you know some lovely delayed passes some lovely you know kicks through um, I, I definitely think there's an argument to be had that obviously Sean Wayne doesn't fancy him I don't think there's any doubt whatsoever that Sam Tompkins should be the England fullback I'm going to say that now but I wonder whether there's a consideration from an England point of view is do they do I remember Australia I can't remember what year it was where Australia came over and basically their whole back line were basically playing fullback for the club so I'm thinking like Darius Boyd um, you know Greg Inglis those sorts of players were all, almost everyone they they had in the outside backs was playing fullback and part of me was thinking do England potentially get to a point this year where the starting centres could be Hardacre and Connor I know Hardacre's barely going to play fullback for Wigan if at all well, that's it but because Hardacre and Connor are almost like the best you know do you look at finding a way of getting your best players in even if it's not necessarily in the in the best position because I think centre is probably the spot in England team where 
maybe not the weakest, but there's certainly, you know, obviously Wardle's obviously are going to be a big contender now. Newman's obviously a big contender, Percival. But would you put Hardacre and Con- you know, if, if you had to choose, would you pick Hardacre and Connor over them? I think we're going to sort of look at our system as well. Obviously, they've brought in Ben French, they've got Zach Hardacre in the centres, and they've got Jai Field. I think Matty Pete's discussed sort of having that sort of selection of fullbacks. That's three fullbacks there that he wants to fit in his team mm-hmm. somewhere. So, um, might be something that Sean Wade and Matty Pete might work on at Wigan. Might be a trial for them ahead of England. Uh, I think he makes some some fair points. There's also Herbie Farnworth here. Obviously, he's not made the squad this year, but he's playing over in the NRL. One yeah, good well, season he could be included. Well, obviously, I, I definitely think there's a, there's some evidence of the certain players that Sean Wayne perhaps hasn't taken a fancy to, and I think Farnworth's probably one of them. Widdops maybe another. Um, I made the comment, I, I think Lewis Dodds, are, you know, I made the comment on Twitter a few weeks ago, someone's going to have to have a really good season for him not to be the scrum half, in my opinion. Now, obviously, you've got Williams... Um, you've obviously got Johnny Lomax. Uh, you know, I'd pr- you're probably edging towards Williams and Lomax, aren't you, at the moment as you as a six and seven with the experience and the success that they've had. You'd, you'd say so, but that's not to say Lewis Dodd can't be good in the squad. I asked Christian Wolf last week if he thinks he should be in the squad, and he he was full of praise for Lewis Dodd. I don't think I don't think he would. I don't think it would be a bad thing to include him in the squad, even if he doesn't get a game just to train with those sort of players. What is he, 20? Yeah, and, and that might be the thinking behind Pierce Paul, who, you know, I'm not sure where Wigan plan. Is he going to become a centre? You know, he's probably more of a back row, but yeah. maybe they fancy trying him in the centres. Because um, I certainly think that at international level, I think you need bigger. I think you need bigger centres. And I think. Wingers and centres, I think. Yeah. Up against the likes, as I say, Australia, New Zealand, Tonga. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's always the worry with, say, you know, maybe Percival. Um, you know, another interesting one. Obviously, Ratchford's in there. There's a, quite a few fullbacks in because Nile Evolds is in there as well. And I suppose Ratchford comes in the same category as Evolds. Can they get up to a level where you feel like, yeah, they might not get a selected at fullback, but ah, if they're the best players, do you try? Do you play Evolds on the wing? Do you try Ratchford at centre? Do you play Ratchford on the wing? Do you know what I mean? There, I almost feel like. I mean, I don't know whether that's what Sean Wayne will do. It's probably unlikely that that's what he'll do. But I do wonder whether there is a little bit of... A, whether that should be a consideration. Is Do you try and find a way of getting your best players in? Or is it a case of, right, they're the specialist positions. If they can't get in in a specialist position, they're not getting in. I think with Steph Ratchford, what what has harmed him a little bit... Not harmed him, he's a great player, but that's the problem. He's a great player in so many positions that he's not quite the best in one of them. But he has been playing fullback for quite a while at yeah, Warrington. Yeah, for Warrington, yeah. But... If you say you put him up against Sam Tong, it's not quite there. Sometimes he can play in the halves, he could probably play wing, he could probably play centre. So Steph Ratchford brings that utility. Um, Jamie Peacock said earlier this week he, he would include Jack Wellsby in his 17 on the bench for that utility role because he's the same kind of player. He could play full-back, play halves, play centre, he could play wing. So that's who Jamie Peacock said to put him Yeah, and Wellsby's probably a good option. I mean, it depends, again, who you have at hooker, I suppose, because, you know, you probably can't... You, can't prob- you probably can't carry... A rotation hooker and an outside back on the bench. I wouldn't have thought. You you need no, the free forwards. Yeah. Um, obviously, don't forget this squad doesn't include Australian-based players. So you know you would assume Elliot Whitehead, Josh Hodgson, Hodgson, Ryan Sutton. You know, Burgess brothers. Yeah, maybe. Burgess brothers. You know, will almost certainly be in contention. Um, you know, looking at that squad, there's only really maybe well, Lehman's in there, isn't he? Lehman, McShane, Clark as a hooker option you still feel like Hodgson's probably got the Maybe edge on that, yeah. on that on that position um, but 
you know, interesting. They've got the All-Stars game in, in June. Um, it does say Sean Wayne has said he spoke to Jake Connor. Um, you know, and, and spoke, you know, a typical cliche thing, really, that, you know, he spoke to the players that haven't been included and, you know, he said the door's always open. So it'd be interesting to see how it, how it pans out um, ahead of that All-Stars clash in June and then, of course, the World Cup at the end of the year. Um, before we go on to the big interview this week with Chris Thorman, let's just have a quick run through the games to look forward to this weekend. Um, Thursday night Sky Games, Wakefield against Leeds. The Friday night Sky Games, Warrington against Cas- uh, Catalan. Uh, Hull Car and St. Helens is also on Friday. Um, Wigan are in Toulouse. Huddersfield play Salford and Castleford play Hull. Which um, uh, There was a lot of fuss about Hull after the defeat to St. Helens, um, but they, they won pretty comfortably against Salford last week. They could really put a bit of a, you know, Casper had a difficult start under Lee Radford and a defeat at home to Hull would be another sort of blow for them. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about Hull, but they are. Uh, they have two wins, I think, this season, aren't they? Yeah, they've won they've, two out of three. They beat Wakefield, yeah. So, I mean, it's not, it's not as bad as a start as it seemed. It was, it was just that one match, wasn't it? Was, yeah. yeah, against the champions in horrible conditions down to 12 men, really. When you put it like that, they've not had a, a, a terrible start. Yeah, and, and you know, and I think a lot of people probably fancied Salford for a bit of an upset last week. And you did, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah no, definitely. No, and I think put, looking at their results, you would have fancied a little bit closer game. Um, that was all bouncing back. Clearly. Another tough week for Toulouse. He'll he'll welcome Wigan this week, having played Warrington last week. They've got to try and find. They've just got to find get the squad together and get th- you know come out of these games against the bigger teams and in a better place so that they can maybe compete against some of the. The, the lesser teams um, see how they go in Championship um, Lee Newcastle Workington Sheffield Bradford against Batley Featherston Halifax London against York Whitehaven against Dewsbury and then the Monday night game is Widness against Barrow um, that is what you've got to look forward to over the weekend but for now George Riley has caught up with Chris Thorne it's a good listen this one Keep up with all things Rugby League 24-7. Head on over to loverugbyleague.com. Hello and welcome to The Big Interview, a weekly look at life and league with one of the sport's biggest names. I'm George Riley and this week's guest is a former England international whose playing career took him from Huddersfield to Parramatta via London and the current head coach now of Workington Town, Chris Thorman. Great to see you, Chris. How are you? Hey George, I'm I'm pretty good, mate. Thank you. Uh, congratulations, first of all, on your progress in the in the Challenge Cup and the the draw against another Cumbrian side in in Barrow. Uh, yeah. How did you react to that one? Oh yeah, look, um, there weren't that many teams. What ten teams in it? Um, so there, there was a fair chance that we were going to get one of the Cumbrian Cumbrian sides. We'd have probably preferred it at home, but um, you know, we 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 can't be that picky um, and. I think obviously any team that you get now uh, have earned the right to be there, and obviously you look at Barrow's league form, and they've been they've been really good. So, yeah, we've we've been a couple of times over the last couple of years, and we're we're definitely excited to have a shot at them. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about um, Cumbria and the strength of Cumbria because it's you, Barrow, and Whitehaven, three teams in, still in the, in the Challenge Cup, which is excellent for the region. In terms yeah. of you and, and Workington and the step up to the Betfred Championship. Uh, it's been tough for you. Played three, lost three, but where, where you would you assess that you are right now? Oh, look, George, it's a process. Anything, anything worthwhile, you know, you got to make sure you formulate a good plan and and, and have the guts to follow through with it. Um, you know, we, we probably 
the most important thing was retention of the squad after we after we earned promotion um, because we, we were the last team to find out where we were going to be, what league we were going to play in. Us and Doncaster, obviously, Doncaster went the other way and they they stayed in League One. And I think they've struggled to kind of um, you know make sure they've had a, a, a competitive squad for that league and and, and similar for us. <clears throat> so I made sure that I didn't lose any players that I want you know I didn't want to lose basically. And um, there's a, there's a couple that went went. On, on a different path. We watched, actually watched Brad Holroyd play last night. We watched Brad Holroyd play for, for Witness in the for in the championship consistently. Brad was one of the ones we lost. So we replaced him with Alex Clegg and we replaced Echo Donald with um, Evan Simons. And uh, apart from that, we've got a sprinkling of community players. So it's fundamentally the, a League One squad. Um, but seeing that, I, I see so much um, potential in the squad. There's so much growth in the squad. Um, and it's... And they're finally starting to realise. It's taken them a couple of games to realise how good they can be. It's taken them, you know, um, we played Featherstone at home and we got within 16 points, which I'm if I'm not wrong. I think that's as close as anyone's gotten to them this year. Um, and that that just instilled a little bit of belief in the in the young, fairly inexperienced squad that we have here. Um, and again, we got Dewsbury and, um, you know, Dewsbury have, you know, been a championship side, have consolidated that championship status for, for a good few years now. Um and, and, and we played really well at the weekend. Um, so, yeah, we, the, the, the most important thing for me is, is, is growth every week, um, growth every day, you know, um, improvement, you know, uh, highlighting areas we need to improve and consistently doing that over the course of the week. And then that will manifest itself on a Sunday and, and improvements will be better and, and performances will be better. So, look, I'm, I'm happy with where we're at. And I know it's I know it's tough. We all knew it was going to be tough when you look at the standard of the opposition in the competition. Um, but yeah, we're, we're we're happy as long as we grow every week. Um, and it's another big week for us this week. We got Sheffield at, at home again this weekend. How it's I mean it's a big question. I, I don't know what the answer is. I'm sure it'll be a long answer. But how do you go about keeping Workington where you want them in the championship, making sure they're not just popping back down to League One? Yeah, look, well, like I said, George, it's, it's a process. It's um, there's, there's things you have to put into place. The first thing that I did was um, is give try to give the club a bit of an identity. I think it had been lost in the last couple of years and um, didn't kind of forgot what it stood for. Um, the big thing about Workington is it's it's kind of stance in the community and a lot of people rely on, on on clubs like that. You know, not not just Workington. You know, you look around the north of England. A lot of a lot of um, people rely on the community that the, the local rugby league club so that was the first thing so what I did is I just I just identified the best Cumbrian players um and did my best to bring them into the club um and yeah that I suppose they were unproven at league one level you know but they pretty much achieved everything there was um in the NCL and in the amateur game so and actually when you watch NCL league one or the premiership um it, there ain't there isn't a great deal of difference between League One and, and, and the top of NCL. So that's what we did. We've we've got we've got players from all over Cumbria in our squad. Um so that was important to give us a core of Cumbrians that the, the, the town and the club and the fans could relate to initially. Um and obviously the other thing for me is um we have a no dickhead policy. So I'm I'm very much it's very important that they they are good human beings initially. They have to be good rugby league players, obviously. But to coincide with that, we, we look at um, we look we, we look at 
you know, a, an all lot, a whole host of things, a whole host of criteria. We do a bit of a background check. We find out where they've worked previously, where they've played previously. So yeah, we, we go into a little bit of detail on that because it's important if they're going to come to the club, they have to buy into everything. When you're a semi-pro rugby league player, it's important how you live your life because it's it's tough. It, when you work and a lot of them work full time, uh, a lot of them have families, you know, and, and when you're going to take your rugby league seriously, you need to be a good person and, and have a whole host of things, good time management, you know. So, yeah, look, those were the two main things that I, that I did initially. Um, had to shore up performances on the field to begin with in the in the first in the first season. Um, did that, and then um, you know we we were very consistent last year. We were um, we found ourselves in in that sort of first and second spot right the way through the year, and um, you know we, we we ultimately gained promotion by beating Doncaster in the playoff final, um, and you know we, it was deserved. You know I I, I won't. You know, I won't preach and say that we, you know, we were the best team, but we were we were absolutely deserving of promotion last year. And the way that we um, remain in this championship is is having the same kind of ethos. Um, and like we spoke a little bit before we start recording the show, the most important thing is also having a sprinkling of travelling players. Now that's the biggest that's the biggest issue I've had since I've arrived at the club. You know, geographically, you know where we are in the country, it's difficult to attract players. There's also you know, when you're bringing players in that are from outside the area, you're going to have to pay a little bit more. You're going to have to potentially find them work or they work in the community department. There's accommodation to be found. So there's a lot of things that 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 come with that. Um, and it's it's hard work. Um, and I suppose the, the only other thing that is the dual, reg, dual registration situation, where if you look at most Super League clubs, they, they will much favour um, being dual registration with a local club. You know, you look at, look at Leeds Bradford, you look at, you know, St. Helens Lee, you know, and unfortunately that makes the, the best championship sides even, even stronger, you know, so we're, we're batting against it a little bit, but I, I'm really confident about what we're doing. There's a, you know, we, we have a plan and there's, there's some really exciting stuff going on behind the scenes, the board's changing and um, there's a lot of influential um, sort of local business people that are involved in the club now and, for the first time, it feels like the, um, the off-field aspirations of the club match mine, um, you know, and I I never aspired to be a League One coach. You know, George, I was at Super League level for a long time during my career as, as a player and a coach. And, you know, I, I firmly believe that Workington, you know, deserve and, and should be in the championship for a long time coming. Uh, just pick up on one point you said about... Um, about the lifestyle and the difficulties of working. So how do you how do you manage your own life? Because I know you have family ties and a life in Newcastle, and you've got what you've just outlined as an all-consuming job in Workington. And actually, last time yeah. I think during lockdown, when I came up to one of your games, you were sleeping in your office. You know what yeah. I mean? So I <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah, I was. Yeah, um, there was a few reasons for that, but I suppose the first point is um, so I, I, I guess through the whole, through my life and, and obviously through rugby league, rugby league's been my life essentially for 25, 26, 27 years now. And um, the thing I've learned is probably balance is important and I haven't always got that balance right. Certainly as a player, you know, I don't mind saying that I got things wrong. I was probably selfish. It ended up in a divorce and, you know, I have a daughter that lives in America and, um, you know, we and I have a fantastic relationship with her. She's my, she's my best pal. Um, 
but but I was I, what I've probably done the older I've got the more mature I've got um is is just realize that balance is important and it, it doesn't always have to be 100% rugby league and, and I think that's you know where I am in my life now I'm, I'm pretty satisfied I'm pretty happy I've actually moved over here and my family's with me you know the majority of the time my partner's um still works in Newcastle but um, we're fortunate enough for her to kind of dictate her schedule a little bit and stuff like that so um, yeah it's it's not perfect but it's um, but it works for us um, and it's something that I felt like I had to do because you know the club had to see me invest in them and I, I suppose joking about sleeping in my office that was just a that was during Covid and that was during the time of furlough and that was during um it, it was just simpler and easier and um and, and it sounds awful I, my office my office is all right <laughs> and and at, and at the time George I think I think boredom was six months old so I actually got a couple of good nights sleep in my office I mean it's hard isn't it the work-life balance it's it's only something you learn from your mistakes I mean I was you know when my career was flying it was all career nothing else and then you yeah. get to a point where you face a bit of adversity things going wrong you get that massive dose of perspective in your face and you think, hang on a minute. And you yeah. learn those life lessons. And, and I see in you that your life lessons that you're learning are being put into how you are as a coach and a person. Yeah, de definitely, mate. I um, At times, even at Huddersfield, um, when I was assistant coach there, I, I was always the shoulder to cry on, but probably that masked some of the things that I wasn't being honest about in my life. And, and as long as you learn from that stuff, as long as you take things from it and um, and make changes, then then you'll be all right. Um, <coughs> and the, the club here have realised that and they see that. And I've had, honestly, the club are, are fantastic with me. You know, I couldn't, I honestly couldn't want for more. Uh, you know, I've got to kind of educate up as well as down. I've got to educate the players on how to be better rugby league players, but educating up, up to the board about some of the finer points in the sport now, some you know make making them aware of where we are as a group where we are as um as a squad and, and things like that so look i'm well, i've got lots of support here um and i'm fortunate look i've got a lot of friends in the sport that i can call upon anytime you know i, I can just get on the phone even though it's fairly isolated up here and you know a lot of my friends are either in australia or in yorkshire or in london or what or whatnot but i, I i've got plenty of people to um to call upon if if I need a bit of advice because can be a lonely can be a lonely job sometimes being a head coach um, you know and I'm you know I, I hark back to my time at Huddersfield you know I've had a lot had a lot of good times there but you know you're generally sat in an office with four or five like-minded people to bounce ideas off at this club you know I'm one of the only full-time employees so it's it's a lot more difficult to do that so you spend more time on the phone. Um, but then also educating the people around you. So eventually you, you can have those discussions on, you know, it, generally on rugby league, you know, because that's, that's, you know, that's my job basically, but, but other things too. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm loving my time so far. Um, I, I feel like I've struck a balance between um, rugby league and everything else, let's just say, because, you know, even ask my partner, she, 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 she's not a rugby league fan at all. Um, she's she, but then she realizes what it means to me, and um, she realizes how hard I work and how hard you have to work and how engrossed I I get in it. But even I do try and switch off. There's a game on last night, George. 
and yeah. I wasn't going to put it on. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. bored. Got bed. I wasn't going to put it on. And Charlotte was on her phone and she's like, oh, there's nothing on, is there? And I was like, well, actually. <laughs> she went, is the rugby on? Just put it on. So yeah. if you're kind of if you're kind of appreciative of each other's needs, then it then it then yeah, it works yeah. out well. No, I get that. I mean, you know, with my with my partner doesn't get why I would want to go out and run 20 miles or whatever in when I'm marathon training or why or the rugby league thing or yeah. or the sober journey I'm on. Like you don't have to understand yeah, yeah. those things but understands what it means to me and why i need to do it um, absolutely and that's kind of that's how it works i guess well you it, you bring up another point great point that i haven't even touched you know I, i'm a especially i suppose it kind of covid allowed it allowed me to reflect on everything you know uh, and, it, and it was probably i'll take it as a blessing in disguise although we didn't you know lockdown lockdown was awful well, lockdown was awful way, way worse for a lot of other people than it was for me you know i was just we were just cooped up in the house and but the one thing i realized and i've always been into health and fitness especially and I'll, i've always loved going to the gym or exercising you know it's been my life you know it, it has to be your life when you're a professional athlete but it's probably made me realize that i'm a much uh, more attuned person when i'm doing my I, I'm, I'm exercising every day you know i'm a advocate of healthy body healthy mind i really do think that's important and i know you know follow you on social media and i know you're very similar you know and it just keeps you on the keeps you on the right path it certainly does me and um you know that's another thing that i learned in terms of my work slash life balance is is me being physically active and, and fit and if i've done that i just have a lot more clarity in my mind um you know that the, there's no sort of um shadows or i don't know i can't describe it but it, it just it just makes me um it makes me a better person really yeah well i mean i'm a you know i'm a massive believer in the correlation between mental and physical health you know it's it's not just a thing it works if you go out and you get those positive chemicals working for you you feel better and yep. it, it, it literally is that simple and i've spoken to kevin sinfield about a very similar thing he hated running when he was a player he actually discovered it afterwards how it made him feel i mean you know he's a bit odd kev you know kev will go out kev has to go out running when there's running water because he needs to be able to see and hear the running water he has little intricacies like that but he yeah. takes it to the extreme and you see what he does but and lee Breers is another one you know yeah. lee, Bre lee Breers now rarely touches he's alcohol. Often. right hey? right you know i'm just gonna say he's big into golf um, lee oh well lee, lee loves his golf but as a player he would rebel against what his coach would tell him to do. Yeah. You can't, you can't drink. You must exercise. He would drink yeah. and not exercise. Now, now he's got no one telling him what to do. Yeah, doesn't want to go out booze, and he wants to get him fit and healthy. He's in yeah. great shape. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, I, there's so many parallels with. I just think just retired professional sportsmen. Um, <coughs> I, I was always good at running. You know, I, the position I played, I had to be fit. Just, you just had to be. You know, and I was never. A, a monster you know you've seen some of the some of the, the the biggest human beings play our sport and I was never really you know that size and relied on my athleticism my speed and and my fitness and um probably right probably for the first two years of retirement I didn't run I'm like I don't have to I don't have to run I can do what I want I can prescribe what I want to do I still train and exercise but I probably didn't run um and then I don't know it's a bit of a knock-on effect as to um I don't know, maybe a little bit of doubt in terms of what, what, I, where I was with my life. But then I, then I started running again 
and it's amazing. It's amazing how good it makes you feel. I, I don't know. And you, and, and you know, like endorphins released in the body because of, you know, there's so many good chemicals released because of exercise. And you, like you just said, the correlation between uh, mental health and, and physical fitness, it just, it's, it's, it's brilliant. So it, but, it's but interesting. But also, if, if you've got stuff on your, light, on, on your mind that's occupying you, if you go out running for an hour, you've got an hour to have sorted it out by the time you get back. Yeah. That's another thing Sinfield said. He's like, especially when he was doing that job at Leeds, when he, yeah. he moved into whatever it was, the director of rugby, and you know, he had so many problems to sort out. He'd go for a run and he'd know what he had to do as soon as he got his suit back on in the office. Yeah. So it gives you that yeah. thinking space at all. And we, we've, we've dived quite deep into life. I've got a couple of other um, rugby-related uh, things I want to discuss. Just briefly popping back to Cumbria, you've outlined very well the, the challenges that you and the Cumbrian sides face. There's always this, this debate seems to come round every one or two years when the Cumbrian sides are doing well, as they are three in the next phase of the Challenge Cup. When will we get a Super League side in, in Cumbria? I mean, it still, for me, seems a long way off that. Is, is it something that, that can ever happen and what needs to happen? For, for that I think it can, George. I've, I've, got, I've got mixed feelings on it, I suppose. Um, you know, ultimately, I'm here to do a job for Workington. Um, and and from, from our point of view, there's, there's a couple of criteria that need to be fulfilled. There's a new, there's a new stadium on the horizon, um, and we're looking at 2024, 2025. Um, and that, that was part of the reason I signed a long-term contract, because we all see the improvements made at certain clubs when they get a new stadium. You know, look at York, look at York for example. They're, they're, they're a good example of what, what brings... Um, what comes with a new stadium in terms of being able to marketability and sponsorship and stuff like that. Um, but that, but that's only one thing for, for us now. I, what, what I kind of have to strive to do is initially is, is to be the strongest Cumbrian side. And if we're the strongest, and which is no, which is, which is not an easy task by the way, you know, because Whitehaven have done a fantastic job last year and continuing this year and obviously Barrow as well. So, the, the first port of call for me is to make us the strongest Cumbrian side, along with everybody else at the club and being on the same page and, you know, meeting, meeting each other's aspirations. But I, for there to be uh, a long-term venture and potentially a Super League club, you know, I, I don't want to say the word mergers, but you, it, it, it potentially would have to happen, George, really. Um, I, I, do, I do see that. The one thing that I kind of take hope from is if you remember the, the World Cup when New Zealand played Scotland at Durham Park. And I was commentating. Eight, one of my favourite ever commentaries. Brilliant. You know, eight and a half, nine thousand people there, George. So it just shows that people are willing to travel. You know, you, you I suppose the footprint of Cumbria, you, from, from a working point of view, you can go as far as Carlisle, you know, as, as north as Carlisle, as east as Penrith, you know, and, and in terms of that footprint, that catchment, there's a Although it's not densely populated, and I've heard a lot of people talk on television about how sparsely populated Cumbria is, yeah, I, I agree. But that's still a very, very big, big area, and that's still home to a lot of people that have obviously been and watched rugby league before. So that gives me hope. The main thing for me is to make Workington sustainable, successful, and and make sure we are the best Cumbrian side. And that's a tough job, but. Um, I, I do take hope from a couple of those things. And then, and then there's obviously people have spoken about mergers for a long time. And, you know, it, maybe it's easier for me to say that because I'm not from the area. 
Um, and maybe I'd be more open to it because I'm not from the area. But I do know how passionate they are. I do know what the Workington and Whitehaven derby means because we played him one a month or two ago. And um, what also people don't realise is how far Barrow is from Whitehaven and Workington. You know, I can take it can take almost two hours to get there on the on the coast road. So <coughs> whether that would include Barrow as well, I'm not sure. Barrow might have. Well, I know Barrow have got their own um, aspirations, and I know that they will have. Um, you know their own targets, right and rightly so. That probably don't include white working in a white haven, and, and 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 who who are we to argue? So, yeah, yeah there's there's a there's a few things going on there. Georgia Stadium, yeah, and, and, and then also the previous games at Doyle Park in terms of the World Cup that we take hope from. Yeah, in terms of the, the dreaded M word, I mean the merger does. You know, when we're realistic <clears throat> about where rugby league as a sport, it it is mentioned a lot. I remember the backlash when they were talking about Castleford and Wakefield back potentially a few years ago yeah. joining forces and the fans the fans basically said, absolutely no way. <coughs> my, my next question to you actually was, as a former London man, um, having spent time at London, was yeah. is that where London needs to go? Because looking at the crowds, they've moved again. You know, they're now at Wimbledon. The crowd at the weekend was 551. Now, yeah. you don't need to be a businessman to know that that's not good enough. And that is not sustainable for London. Um, you know what yeah. it is like having played for the Broncos. Is is it is it a worry where, where London are going? And do we have to mention that dreaded M word and look at can we sustain the Broncos and the Scholars together? Yeah, look, it's it's tough. Eh? It's um, obviously I've got links. I've had links to the Broncos. I've got more links now. Um, my little brother Neil yeah. um, is actually is actually a Broncos player now. He signed for London. Um, people, not many people realise, but kind of. Um, and, and I've seen I've seen the scholars too. So I, honestly, in terms of the merger, I'm, I'm I'm not sure how much that would change. I, I don't know if that would have a a huge bearing on things and and a, and a huge influence on especially crowds. Um, you know, it is disappointing, and and you but you do see things that have happened that have kind of allowed for it to happen. You know, they've they've gone part they've gone part time now, so probably the buy in from the, the public when they don't see. You know the, I suppose the so-called glitz and glamour of, of the Super League, the appeal of playing on the biggest stage to welcome the biggest clubs, to welcome you know uh, a lot of travelling fans have definitely had an influence on that. Well, you could argue I, that I, you could argue that Super League gave up on London and just just thought actually we've, it's not going anywhere. This let's focus our attentions elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, George, you, you kind of it hasn't been on my radar for a while but um i, I think it's it, it's the fall from grace has been disappointing and and we could probably point the finger at a, a number of number of areas but but really what, what, you know you, you talk about average attendances over the last two decades you know what what would london's have been when they've been predominantly in in super league you know would they would they be as competitive as even teams that like Wakefield or like or like Huddersfield or like Salford, you know, we'd probably say on average they wouldn't quite match those either. So, um, look, I'm all for expansion, absolutely, and I, I, I think there is a place for for a London side in professional rugby league. Um, but how how we do it, um, you know, I forget I forget David Hughes. David Hughes has pumped a little bit like Ken David Huddersfield. Uh, probably writes a cheque for a million pounds every year. Ken David writes a million 
a million pound check every year. Um, and and in professional sport, it's not necessarily about making money when you're those businessmen. And um, are there enough of those in rugby league? And are there enough of those in rugby league at the clubs that really need them? Um, so that you know, it it's a tough one for London, and I'm it, and it does, you know, being a being a player, being a former player there, and 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 actually, I had a fantastic time there, you know, and it was all it was kind of just during the time of Richard Branson and we know how influential Richard Branson and Virgin and stuff like that were, but is there, is there that appeal anymore in the capital for, for the club, you know? It's tough. Um, no, it's tough. I remember, remember the glory day. I think Brentford was probably my favourite place to go when they played there and yeah. the away fans yeah. would go behind the sticks. You had the little yeah. pop-up Aussie bar where you get your cans of VB, enjoy it in the sunshine. Yeah. Absolutely loved that experience, travelling down from Leeds. Uh, one last yeah. rugby-related rugby question, I guess with your Huddersfield hat on a bit, but also just exploring your uh, the time you had in the NRL. I mean, the guy, whenever we mentioned Huddersfield, who started the season well, who everyone gets excited about, is Will Price, the new poster boy of the sport, albeit, you yeah. know, he's, as he says himself, I've done nothing yet. But still, everyone starts <laughs> to get worried that, are we going to lose him to either Rugby Union or, or, or the NRL? Do you think that's where he might go? Oh, look, I hope it's not rugby union. I really do, um, because we need our stars in, in our sport. Um, and I, he, he's a very special talent. It sounds like you know he's his dad will keep his feet on the ground, no doubt. No, Leon, he will. Um, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him play a couple of years in Super League at least. Um, I suppose you could look at look at Dominic Young as well at Newcastle. Dom actually didn't even play Super League, and he went, and he's most likely going to be there starting left winger this year so is Will is Will Price good enough right now probably because he's that talented and it would take him a little bit of time to acclimatise to the NRL and the consistency that you need to have in training and, and in games because if you have one honestly you'd have one bad training session and you don't get picked never mind one bad game so yes. the the standards in terms of the, the how you're how you go about your, your week and your, your day-to-day life at an NRL club compared, even compared to Super, Super League club is, is vastly different. Um, I, I, I think he would be successful, but I personally, I'd like, and, and if I was his advisor or his father, I'd be saying, mate, I, I think you need to prove yourself a little bit more at this, in this league first, in this country, and then, and then possibly explore those avenues. And, um, I, I I have no problem with players going to the NRL because I did it, you know, and I listen to people like uh, you know John Wilkin at times. And jo- John John states that he, you know, we, we need to keep all of our best talent in Super League. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think that um, you know, as long as they stay in our sport, they're always you know Will will come back, and if he's good enough, we'll play for England. And that that to me is the most important thing: having a strong um, national team because that's something that. Uh, differs from uh, probably the main difference between rugby league and rugby union is is the national is the is the international stage you know and uh, I think that it's important that we have a strong England team and we have a strong international game and Australia needs to buy into that and that's probably another conversation altogether with what happened with the World Cup and whatnot but in terms of New Zealand and Australia pulling out at the last minute but yeah to answer your question Will Price is undoubtedly talented is talented enough to play in the NRL, but I would suggest that he needs to stay in England for a couple of years and and just prove himself at this level before he does anything else. Uh, let's park the rugby then. Let's spend the last couple of minutes just talking about 
life and your outlook on life. And um, I guess, I don't know, I think we're, we're both at a stage of our lives when we kind of, we've got our eyes open thinking, right, what's, what does the rest of life look like? Are you, are you league for life or are you contemplating life after league? You know, what, what's going on in your brain? Oh, I mean, I love this. I absolutely love this sport, George. And, um, you know, I'm, I've been lucky that it's paid the bills for a very long time now. You know, or my whole adult life it has since I left school and signed for Sheffield Eagles. Um, <clears throat> it's always important to have alternative plans. And I've, I've, I've often considered, you know, side businesses, coffee shops, bars, you know that that sort of gyms that sort of thing and converted offices um, with a with a nice comfy bed in the corner <laughs> yeah, yeah with a with a bunk with a bunk bed yeah um <laughs> but but honestly my mindset is when when i'm a head coach especially now i i fully engross myself into the sport and i and i really don't see myself um doing anything else i know that i you know, I have other qualifications. I did a, a uni degree through Open University, a, a business degree. You know, I've done my A levels and, and 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 stuff like that. So, and I've done other quality. You know, the usual rugby league player boredom sets in, and I'll do a I'll do a PT course. You know, so you you kind of there's a lot of stuff that I've done. Um, but if I'm going to be successful in what I'm doing now, I have to fully immerse myself in it. But that's having the balance of um, getting your family life right, getting stuff away from the sport right, um, which is what I'm doing. Because if I, if I feel like my attention's not on what it needs to be, then I won't be as successful as I, as I should be. You know, and I have aspirations. I went to the NRL as a player. I have aspirations of going to the NRL as a coach. You know, and it's been a, it's been a proper journey, and it's, but it's been a journey. And I said as a player, I wouldn't change I wouldn't change a great deal. And as a coach, I wouldn't change a great deal. I'm a head coach now and I love being in charge and the figurehead of the organisation. And I think that if I had my eye on something else, I've just opened a coffee shop up in town, then I, I wouldn't be focused on what I needed to be focused on. So that's kind of my mentality on, on, on my work, um, my potential you know, work in, in the future. Um, I'm just big on accumulating good days that will um, manifest in good Sundays at two o'clock at Dale Park. You know, that's kind of what my focus is on right now. So as a final point then, what, if I was to ask you what, what your life in rugby league has, has taught you that, that serves you well now as a person and, and in other aspects of your life, what, what would your answer be? Just kind of what I just um, hinted on there. Um, an accumulation of good days allows for a good week. And then if you do that over the course of time, you'll be successful. Um, <clears throat> and, and I kind of give that message to my players. You can have a bad Monday and a bad Wednesday, but if every other day in the week is good, then you'll be all right. And even you can have a bad week this week, but if the next three are good, you've had a good month. So it's an in, you know, it's a philosophy that I got from a, um, uh, um, a sports psychologist um, called Carl Morris, who does a lot of work with pro golfers, um, and and it's uh, I'm very um, process driven, and I know that sounds boring at times, but it's just how my mind works, and it's how I've um, 
kind of come to live my life, really. Not everybody's like that. And all players, and especially players, are very different. So I have to be appreciative that not everyone, not everyone's mind works like that. But I've found relative success when I've been, when I've had a mindset of that. Um, and, then, and then also, so kind of, you know, I do quite a lot of reading and you read Craig Bellamy's books and, or any books that he's, he's been part of. And he, he, the main thing for Craig that he's learned over the last sort of three, four decades of coaching is putting a loss, put, getting rid of a loss quickly. And that's something that I really struggle with still. And that's something that I'm working really hard to, to address. You know, I still, uh, I sit to tell my players, so we lost round one to Newcastle. And I saw so many missed opportunities in that game um, that it's still, it's just still right back here. And I, and I can't, I can't get rid of it yet. So I'm just hoping over time, um, maybe just, just maybe even just getting older. You know, I'm a relatively young coach. I'm 41, you know, that over time, it, you kind of realise that you've got to let things go at times and you can't be perfect all the time and you can't meet all your goals all of the time. You just need to probably realize that that is just that's being a human and you need to kind of just just let it go at times that mindset is why i'm fascinated by snooker what you've just said you can't let yes. things go and you think you things back because more than any sport i know it's a player sitting there watching someone else clear up what he knows uh, his points and then how yep. does he get that out of his head for the next frame and the best players yep. do and the players yep. who don't win are the ones who can't it's a fascinating mindset. It, it is, mate. It is. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a great chat. Uh, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate your time, and uh, we wish you well for the rest of the season. Uh, Chris Thorne, thanks, George. Uh, uh, really, thank really enjoyed that, mate. And uh, we'll you. see you next week. Here's the good, the bad, and the ugly from the past week. Right. So this week we've gone for the good being the return of the reserves league, which has come back for the first time since before the pandemic. Um, Phoenix Lalu guy actually played for uh, Hull KR's reserves. Yeah, less than 24 hours after making his debut in Super League. Yeah, and Wakefield have been dishing out some of the, putting their first... You know, Tanginoa played for uh, Wakefield against Hull KR at the weekend as well. Um, Leeds, um, Leeds reserves were in as well. Jack Broadbent, Jack Sinfield were in there. Featherstone's Tom Holmes was in there as well, which is actually quite an interesting one with the reserves because I think that's not a terrible, terrible model. Is that Championship clubs that have obviously got squad players, if they can maybe utilise the reserve teams of the Super League teams to get them games, that actually might not be a, a terrible model to follow. Yeah, we also heard that Warrington were at the game last night, was they not? Uh, between yeah. Lee and Witness. Yeah. So they might keep an eye on a few. And you mentioned that if they look at a few youngsters, that they can just add them to the reserves until they're ready for the first team. Yeah, I certainly think, you know, especially when you consider championship squads will have players not playing. So, you know, obviously Featherstone have got more than most probably and probably of a, of a sufficient quality. So um, an interesting model. So that's the good, the return of the reserves. Um, the bad, I forgot what we were going to say for the bad. Oh, there's been a breakness. There's been a breakout of illness in the Hull KR camp. Josh, you tell us more about that. Yeah, just on call with um, head coach Tony Smith just earlier today. There's a bit of a stomach bug going on. Uh, it's the same stomach bug that kept Dean Hadley out of the the, the game against Castleford on Friday. I think he said up six players have um, 
been affected by it three not being able to make trading since that that game so that's not the sort of preparations you want ahead of the clash with the champions but if you're anywhere around Craven Park this weekend I'd suggest leave quickly wearing a mask <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, and the ugly this week we've gone for um, there was a witness were forced to issue a statement following their Challenge Cup defeat to Lee um, a couple of young fans got onto the pitch at full time and ran around a little bit and then there was a couple of uh, beer pots that were thrown um, onto the pitch after one of the tries so witness have uh, issued a pretty strongly worded statement saying they'll be in dialogue with the RFL to understand if there'll be any sanction and it must be very frustrating for clubs when you know the majority of their fans are well behaved and support the club well but then there's a, a tiny minority that cause headaches and people don't realise that the clubs get fined for or can get fined for incidents like this which then eats into playing budgets or just makes life difficult for their own club yeah especially if it's a big a big fine I suppose any fine in the championship and for a part time team is a big fine as you say it takes it away from from maybe possible further recruits anyone sort of loan signings that I bring in during the season uh, what's the usual that 10,000 10, is that too much for some, some um, no I mean it depends I mean I think another thing as well is it depends on on how many, whether it's an isolated incident or whether it's you know whether stuff's happened in the past, and obviously various clubs have are probably at different levels. You know, you might get suspended fine for so long, and um, you know, I think there was one with was the one with Castleford, I think last year where they got into a bit of trouble because they had a suspended fine um, from a previous incident, and it's just stuff that you know it's just stupidity from from people involved. It it just doesn't do anything doesn't do the clubs any favours. Um, so that's this week's The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. Um, as I say, please join us again next week. The podcast comes out every Wednesday, so please do get hold of it on Spotify, iTunes, Audio Boom, wherever it is you get your podcast. Please do leave us a, a rating and a review, and if there's anything in particular you want us to talk about, do leave that in the comments as well, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Love Rugby League podcast. Know someone who shares our collective love for Rugby League? Let them know about this podcast and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Eager for more Rugby League news? Visit loverugbyleague.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.